Hi friends, have you ever taken part in a Japanese track meet for middle schoolers by accident? I did once. Uh, most of my year spent in Japan was filled with moments like this. People say, hey, come over here, sit there, read this. And, and one day I went to work and all the teachers were standing up and going out to, to, the, to the track uh, in front of the school. And so I followed them and I was looking and kind of waiting for where I'm supposed to sit. So they guided me to the side of the track and, uh, and they just kind of pointed and all of a sudden a gun went off, you know, not a real gun, but to the, and I look back and there's uh, one of my students running. And then uh, he hands a baton to another one of my students. And then all of a sudden he runs up to me and I realize that I'm the third person in a four leg uh, relay race. I didn't run track in high school, but you guys, the spirit of the Lord came upon me. I was so inspired by watching the first kid run and take the lead and the second kid extend the lead. And there's this line in a U2 song that says, I've got just enough low self-esteem to get me where I want to go. That's what happened to me. I'm not a track runner, but I was like, there's no way I'm going to lose this race. So it, it was pure a fear of embarrassment that propelled me 100 meters. And, and when I passed off the baton to Sayaka, I knew she was much faster than any of us and that my team was going to win the race. And of course, she blew past the competition and my team won. It was the first and only relay race I've ever taken part of in a Japanese track meet for middle schoolers. But I love that image of, of running. It's all through the Bible. Paul talks, about, Paul talks about running the race well, but also each generation has the ability to set up the next generation for a head start, like my students set me up for, or each generation can set up the next one for uh, impediments, uh, to be behind the ball. And a church that transfers its faith to the next generation is one that's full of life, is one that, that continues, and this is a really, really big deal to me. I've been thinking about this, uh, the scripture a lot lately. First Corinthians chapter three, verse six and seven, Paul says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God makes things grow. And I, I've been thinking about my role in, that I get to play in the solid ground church family, and I realize I don't make things grow. You don't make things grow, but we all have a role to play. And I've been thinking about how, how I'm benefiting from the generations of, of congregations and leaders and pastors that have come before me. And I've been giving some thought to what are the seeds that I want to plant in the solid ground family? Or what are the seeds that are already there and that they need to be tended and, and weeded and, and watered? So whether I'm a, a seed planter or the waterer, this is one of the things that I want us to focus on and, and talk about regularly. I wrote this down about, uh, about a year ago, and I've been working on this, uh, this little statement for almost a year now. And it's, it's called The Church I See, but it's, it's a mixture between The Church I See Now and also The Church I See 
us becoming, the, the group of people, the kind of culture I see us becoming in five years and 10 years. And it goes like this. I see a church that's a multi-generational family. I see a church where the generations are leaning toward one another. I see a church where the way of Jesus is practiced and transferred to children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren. I mean, come on, baby. I would love to be a part of a church that my great-grandchildren would be a part of. That's, that's what I'm interested in building, something that lasts, not just putting people here, but I feel like that's how we can make a deep mark. And I see that heart in solid ground in our, in our congregation. I see that desire big time. So I'm not going to try to convince you that reaching the next generation for Jesus is a big deal. I feel like most of us that, that would watch a video like this are open to that. I don't feel like I'm going to have to sell you on that. Today, I want us to get real practical. It's not going to be this deep theological dive, but just what does it look like for us to pass the baton to the next generation and to set them up for success? So if you're taking notes, the first, the first big point is those who run before set the pace for those who follow. They're, they're, they're watching us. I love Paul writing to his protege, Timothy, 2 Timothy 1.5. Paul says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. Timothy was like that runner in the third position. I'm, I'm sure he was prepared much better than I was to run in the third position in that race. But running well was modeled for him. You know, in my time as a youth pastor, I learned that, that young people, they're not looking for perfection. So many people that would join my youth team would think they've got to be cool, they've got to play the guitar, they've got to be a surfer or whatever, and think, oh, I, I can't be a part of young people's lives. But the longer I served, the more I realized that young people aren't looking for uh, some sort of celebrity look-alike or, or the best at anything. They're just looking for people that know God and that show genuine interest in them. Someone that will sit on the doorsteps of their life and earn the right to be invited in. They're looking for authenticity. When I, when I started out in youth ministry, I didn't feel like I was the fastest on the team. I, I identified with that. I didn't play the guitar. I didn't surf. But the longer I stuck with it, I realized it's, it's just showing interest in the next generation and modeling it for them. And a couple years in, uh, some amazing youth workers joined my team, and they were affectionately called Mama D and Papa Sam. Debbie and Sammy Chesser were some of the best. I had some amazing youth workers, but it blew my mind that these folks who were entering into their, their grandparent stage they taught me so much about youth ministry because they were real and authentic and they modeled a faith for these teenagers that was infectious. I mean, they would, they would have these barbecues at their house before a Bible study and 75 kiddos would, would cram in there. And yes, they listened to the Bible, but I watched these teenagers just come alive when they got attention from Mama D or Papa Sam. I watched their, their posture change when, when Mama D and Papa Sam were speaking life over them. And in a world where 
the young, I mean, teenagers are going through so much today. They're inundated with so many conflicting messages. They're inundated with so many messages about how they should carry themselves, how they should look, and what they need to accomplish. And one of the biggest things Mama D and Papa Sam modeled and, and, and how they would set the pace is they just modeled a non-anxious presence and to just, just listen to these teenagers talk about, about the stuff they were going through. And I think that's such a prophetic way to live these days. If we can intentionally choose not to get caught up in all the anxiety that's out there. I'm not saying we don't have a sense of urgency. I'm not saying we're not passionate about things. I'm saying for those of us who aren't in the young adult category, it's really easy to model an anxious presence because these young people, their brains are fully developed yet. Are they gonna make the right choices? There's so much junk and toxicity out there in the world. Are they, are they going to get caught up in it? One of the best ways we can, we can set the pace for this next generation is to stay deeply connected to Jesus. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. When our roots are going deep into God, we have an anchor and we're not like the apostle Paul talks about, tossed to and fro by the ways of this world and all the doctrines that are out there. I want us to start asking God intentionally that, that we can model a non-anxious presence so that we'll be able to stay in our right mind and to be able to discern between right and wrong, that we'll be able to offer advice uh, the, in a non-anxious way, that, that our young people, our, the next generations, whether they know it or not, they're dying, they're thirsty for it, they're hungry for it. And, and quite simply, one of the ways we set the pace for the next generation is that young people need to see faith in action, not just hear it. They need to see real faith in, their, in the lives of their parents, the lives of their grandparents, but other significant adults. I remember some of the biggest, uh, biggest influences on me. Those of you who coach Little League, like you have such a massive, massive uh, opportunity to make a mark on the next generation. And, and, and especially, because real character comes out when it's sports. They're watching how you react to the umpire when it's a bad call. They're watching how you react when, when they fail, when they miss the mark, when they strike out or, or throw an interception or, 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 or lose the ball in a basketball game. Whatever sportsy thing you do, like what a massive um, contribution you can make modeling that for them is, 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 is so important because they're watching you. That's how we set the pace. I can't tell you how many times, even just in the house, I would catch my mom praying. There were so many times I would catch my grandparents praying. I just, minding my own business, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years old, walk into a room and there's my grandmother on her knees praying. Sometimes I would hear a voice in the next room and it's my grandpa or my mom praying. Like that made a, a huge mark on my life. Also, point number two, a successful handoff is the result of a thousand practice runs. A number of years ago, 
the United States had a four by 100 relay team and they were clearly not just the fastest team on paper. In their qualifications, they blew everybody away and it came time for the gold medal race. And the US team, the, the first leg went well and the second leg went well, but between the third and fourth leg of the race, I think it was Marion Jones was trying to hand it off or she was trying to get it. And the, the, the first attempt didn't work. It slipped right through the fingers and, and they couldn't get it. And finally, once the baton was handed off, it was too late and they were outside of the zone. They were disqualified because of a bad handoff. In the book of Deuteronomy, God said, these commands that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. So I know we're not in an agrarian society anymore. We don't have our kids with us you know, holding farm tools as soon, and working as soon as they can hold a farm tool. But the principle here is to share life with your kids. Those thousand times of practicing, handing off, like that means we, we take our kids along with us as much as possible. And as we're doing life, we do it on purpose. And, and we're... we're we're okay with them growing and maturing slowly. And like it's practice, your kids are gonna mess up. The young people in your life, they're going to have meltdowns and it's not just toddlers. Um, for those of you who are younger, your parents will have meltdowns. Like we're all in process and, and you're not gonna get it perfect every time, but growing, like we talked about last week, is, is like a glacier movement. It's slow, it's hard to perceive. It's thousands and thousands of times of practice over and over again. Growing is slow. It's not like a Hallmark movie where everything wraps up neatly in a tight little bow in four hours. Okay, Hallmark movies aren't four hours, but sometimes it feels like that. Um, to be okay with growth and, and to also be okay with, it's, even if we have to practice this thing, this, this character trait, this, this, this opportunity to be patient, those of us who are a little bit older need to give ourselves a little break on this too, that we're still learning. But it takes thousands of times of practice to get that baton transfer right. This is the kind of church I see. It's in my heart, like we, we and there's, there's evidence of it now. One of the blessings of the pandemic is we thought, you know what? We can't have kids ministry every single week right now. Let's have the kids in with us worshiping. And I see these moments in our in-person gathering where, where the, the kids are with their parents and grandparents or, or, or their aunts and uncles and, the, and they're praying for their young children. I love that it's solid ground. You don't have to wait until you graduate from the youth ministry to see adults modeling worship. That's beautiful. I love seeing our worship team include teenagers. Sometimes half the team is made up of teenagers. There's no kids table at, at, at Solid Ground Church when it comes to, to serving. A kid can serve almost anywhere. And I love that. It's like, here, take, I'm not handing you a baton. I'm, I'm handing you drumsticks. Go for it. That's beautiful. That's a beautiful picture of what's already happening. And I love, there is one of our congregants named Sue Keith who every single week she walks up to me and asks where our drummer is. Uh, and Aiden, he's, he's, uh, he's in high school. 
And Sue Keith is like, where's the drummer? Where's the drummer boy? That kid is awesome. I love being a part of a church where they're celebrating passing the baton and doing things together. Let's keep doing this. You're doing a good job. Let's keep it up. And also, uh, point number three, once that handoff has been made, keep cheering. I mean, how, how wild would it be if a track athlete was in the Olympics, gold medal, and, and maybe, maybe she was the first one to run in, the, in the, uh, the first leg, and she handed off the baton and then went straight back into the locker room and just said, okay, I ran my race. I'm just gonna watch the rest from the, the sidelines. No, a good teammate keeps cheering. Also, a good teammate doesn't take the baton back. Oh, you're not doing it right. You're not, you're not, you're not running fast enough. I love, I love this model of, of teaching almost anything. But I, I keep this in mind with my kids and then even the young, young people at our church. This model of, okay, I want you to get this. I want to pass you the baton. So at first, I'm going to do it and you watch. And then we talk about it then we're gonna do it together. And then we'll talk about it. There's coaching that's going on. So there's been information transfer, there's been practice, there's been debrief afterwards, and then you graduate to, now you're gonna do it and I'm gonna watch you. And guess what you do afterwards? You talk about it. So let's not stop, we can't stop them from running the race and when we pass the baton, we need to keep cheering for them. And also, as I'm talking about, I know sometimes a little anxiety pops up when I talk about let's, let's pass the baton to the next generation. We need to get to the next generation. And there may be some of you who thought, I'm too old to do that. There may be some of you that think, oh, I'm too young. I'm too young to, to, to reach back and lean towards the generation. Or, or I'm too young, no one, no one will mentor me, no one will, will take an interest in me. Well, either way, there's still work to be done. For those of you young people who are listening, as long as you have breath in your lungs, God still has stuff for you to do and there's still a role for you to play. You're not too young. You're never too seasoned to just sit on the sidelines. There is a role for you. And yes, you may not be the one running but your experience, your wisdom, and your non-anxious presence is way more valuable than you probably think it is. There's still work to be done. And I keep thinking, I'm 44 years old, and I think I was the right age for about maybe six weeks, maybe? Because for most of my life, my 20s, oh, I'm too young, I'm just the young youth pastor kid. And in my 30s, oh, I'm too young, I'm not a lead pastor yet, or uh, when are people gonna respect me? And the other day, my seven-year-old started calling me old man. And I was like, wait, when was I the right age? I was too young, too young, too young, too old. That happened quickly. You're never too old. And you know what? You're always the right age for right now. And you're always the right stage for right now. And God can use anybody. So let's continue to model that non-anxious presence. And no matter what stage we're in, to, be, to ask Jesus to help us. Because this isn't a switch you can flip. Ask, if that's where you're at, ask Jesus, help me to be comfortable in my own skin. How can you use me now? What do I have to give? 
and don't discount just who you are as a present. That's, that's a lifelong journey of learning that we're not purely defined by what we produce. We're defined, we're image bearers of God and we have something to give no matter what stage we're in and we can always cheer those who are running the race and doing it, we can cheer them on and encourage them. This is what I mean in what I wrote, that we have a generation, a multi-generational church that's leaning toward each other. Those of you who are young adults and teenagers, I'm very serious when I say this. We can't speak down about other generations. Those of you who are in the, the more seasoned stage of life, we can't speak down towards the generations that have come behind us. It's not helpful. This isn't, I'm not getting this from some scripture. I'm just purely observing the whole okay boomer thing that was big a couple years ago or, or calling young people snowflakes. I totally get joking around, but I'm finding that kind of language less and less helpful the more and more we're already too divided. Let's honor, let's honor honor the younger generations and learn from them. There's always something to learn from them. Younger generations, we need to honor the older generations. They have wisdom that we need. None of this stuff like, ah, oh, the old people, they just don't get it. Or, oh, kids these days, they just don't get it. Who really gets it anyway, right? It's not helpful. Let's lean towards each other. Yes, we're going to have our differences, yes. Yeah, I'm experiencing this now. In the past couple of years, Pastor Ryan and I have gotten back into youth ministry. And these this new teenagers, they think about the world completely different than teenagers even a few years ago. But you know what? I'm learning from them. Do they say some stuff that every now and then makes me go, whoa, whoa, that's new? Yeah. But also, not all of that's bad. And I'm learning so much for them. So... In 1 Thessalonians, the Apostle Paul also writes about this cheering on aspect. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. I think that's, that's a beautiful picture for all of us, young people. And I ask you to... to to have some humility and, and ask someone to speak into your life, to say, hey, what do you see in me? Where do you think that I can grow? For those of you who, who are a little bit further down the road, don't stop like this, that beautiful image of a, of a parent who's encouraging and comforting while at the same time urging people, urging the young people to live a life worthy of God saying, hey, God has called you into his kingdom. God has called you to glory. God has a beautiful dream for your life. Please don't misunderstand me and think that I'm merely trying to communicate, hey, everybody, just be cool. Just be nicer to the other generations. And, and let's all just get along. I do want us to be nice to the other generations, but we have to remember that we're, we're all provoking, like the book of Hebrews says. We're, we're to provoke each other toward good acts. And you know, the older I get, the more I realize, like, oh my goodness, when I receive that kind of encouragement from people here at the church, 
when I receive a reminder of who God's created me to be from my mom who still does it, from my grandparents, my loved ones, oh my goodness, it means more than ever. I don't know what I would do without my mentors and coaches. I have that in my life and I want that for you. And I have a feeling you can be that for someone else. So as we're, as we're talking about these other generations. I know um, even in my own life, I've experienced young people who, who had seeds of truth planted in them, had, had the way of Jesus modeled for them, but they still chose to wander away from the path. For some of you, it's not just an anxiety. For some of you, that's a real pain. It's a real hurt and it's still a wound. Well, for those of you I want, I want to give you this, this bit of wisdom I totally am lifting from Andy Stanley's parenting book. He says, later is longer. And part of what he means by that is one of the main goals as a parent for Andy and his wife is for their kids to come back when they don't have to. And yes, there are some things that you have to confront because later is longer and those choices are going to impact years and years down the future. And there's some stuff you've got to just cut off. But also, he realizing that there's a long game in this whole passing the baton. And don't give up hope. Don't say something now that's going to damage the relationship for years and years to come. So have your children turned away? Keep the door open. Maybe remind yourself that with God, all things are possible. Remind yourself that that. When, when Jesus explained what God was like, he, he, he put it in this picture of a father standing at the door waiting for the kid to come home and keep cheering when, and, and don't give up hope. So my advice to you is, is to just keep that door open. And, and if you're discouraged in that, and you need someone to come alongside of you and cheer you on because that's the, the leg of the race you're on, please don't try to do that alone. Reach out to us. We'd love to pray for you and journey with you. So as we're passing the baton to this next generation, I want to leave you with, with this advice. I was thinking about what would happen. Uh, what would happen if my seven-year-old son came up to me and started giving me advice on my mortgage? probably wouldn't go too well, right? Well, I was thinking about that with, with even my own children. And I'm, I'm in the middle of this, so I'm by no means an expert. But lately, instead of going on a rant about technology, lately, instead of going on a rant about different apps, and I do watch that stuff very closely, I started to ask them questions. So how does this, this thing make you feel? What is this thing trying to communicate? And I'm listening and learning, not to give advice, but so I can figure out what's going on in, in my kids' worlds. I've got a seven-year-old, a 12-year-old, and an almost 15-year-old. And it's amazing what comes up and how I realize they're, they're processing a lot of things that, that are happening to them. And then instead of me coming, coming down on them, like, ah, oh, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that. It becomes this conversation. And, and we're able to talk about, oh, you know what? I am spending too much time on screens or whatever it is. I want, I want us to become students. And before we start just 
jumping into advice mode, which I know you all have really good advice to give, listen and learn first and, and play a little game with it. Maybe it's just inside your own, inside your own mind and your own process because kids are going through so much, young adults are going through so much that, and dealing with stuff that we didn't deal with 15 years ago, 25 years ago. And, and it, it can sound confusing and overwhelming to me, or, or it sounds like, oh, it's not a big deal, it'll blow over, let me tell you how to do this. I've been fighting getting into that mode. And as I'm listening to young people at, from Altaloma Christian School and our youth group, my own kids, I've started, trying to compile everything they're saying into a news headline. And so, oh, so it was unfair. You got, you got stuck with someone in a group project and you know, um, you know that you're gonna have to do most of the work and you're afraid you're gonna get a bad grade. Yeah, exactly. And then I say, oh, that stinks. And all of a sudden their face is like, oh, you get it, thank you. But all I did was reflect back. And what that does is it, earns us the right to run alongside of these kids, to run alongside of these young adults. So this week I wanna challenge you to become a student of other generations, both younger to older and older to younger, and ask them about their lives and really, really listen and see what happens. And let's earn the right to run together. Let me pray for you. Dear Heavenly Father, would you please uh, give us wisdom and give us a heart that leans towards other generations. Draw us closer together, Lord Jesus. And Father, for, for everyone who has anxiety about children who've, who've wandered away, wondering when they're going to come back, Lord, we ask right now that you would reveal your kingdom to those generations. Lord Jesus, for maybe there's an older a loved one in our life who, who's wandered away or, or the relationship isn't right. God, we ask for your healing in that relationship right now. Open our eyes towards your love. Open our eyes towards your ways. And God, we ask that as only you can do, would you please turn our hearts towards each other and give us a heart for the things that you care about. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, thanks for hanging out with us. We'll see you again soon. And until then, you can always reach out to us at sgbic.com. And until we're together again, may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine down upon you. The Lord be gracious to you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit, amen.